does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Previously on the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. Yeah, I hope everyone has a uh, a fantastic long weekend. If you're working, God bless you. If you're traveling today, take it slow. Boy, the roads are going to be wild today. State cops are going to be out too, KB. That <laughs> version. Doing a $200 ticket on the way out. That version of White Christmas, I immediately think of Kevin and Home Alone. Oh, God, I love Home Alone. Every time in the mirror. It really oh, yeah. is my, it's, it's, my, it's shave, one of my favorite comb, movies. All of it. We gotta watch. I think the Bones are gonna watch that tonight. Well, that has to be it. If there was we got like nothing one, tonight, right? Oh, uh, there's nothing going on tonight. Is there? Like sports wise, it was all last night. Pacers there was Magic way too tomorrow. much going on last night. Yeah, we yeah. got nothing. Speaking uh, of Home Alone, well, did you see the? Tr- it's currently like trending. They unearthed this clip of Sis- Siskel and Ebert reviewing Home Alone three. <laughs> and Ebert says Home Alone 3 is the best of the Home Alones. And what? Cisco's looking at him oh my God, like he is really? on crack cocaine. <laughs> yeah. He's like, are you insane? He's like, it's Macaulay Culkin. What do you- Leave it to the 350-what yeah. day of the year for the dumbest comment of 2023 <laughs> to be He was uttered. like, how how are you picking that kid over Macaulay Culkin? I don't get it and stuff. It, it's pretty funny. Home Alone, That's blasphemy. Home Alone 2 is the one where tr- A, Trump's in it, and B, it had the handheld... God, rec- I forgot about that. It had the handheld recorder. Remember no, that one? Boy. I got the talk he, boy from Christmas. Might go. Now that yeah. we think about it, let's go Home Alone tonight and then maybe Home Home Alone 2 for a few minutes and then immediately regret it and go to bed. Well, there you go. Maybe Bad Santa. Mix that in at some oh, point. The kids have to be asleep for that one. I tried to put that one on the other day and it was on MTV and my wife's like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, yeah, even, even censored, this isn't ideal. Yeah, even censored, this isn't good. Although, you know, it happened to a buddy of mine. We can move on. It happened to a buddy of mine. He... He, they prepaid, which is what you have to do somewhere. They prepaid to go see Santa. Okay. What? Well, I mean, no, you pre, you pre, well, you prepay places. That's not crazy anymore. Really? You get a Am time. Yeah, you get a time. Ten thirty in the morning, four o'clock in the afternoon. You get a time. You go there. You prepay, which means you get to meet Santa. You get the picture, the pictures, whatever it may be. And so, you know, he went, and they're like. Santa will be right back. And, and they waited and they waited and it's 20 minutes and he has two small kids and now it's 25 minutes and now it's a half an hour. As you guys can imagine, standing in this line, okay? Plus you paid 50 bucks. You paid 50, 60 dollars for it. And they're like, Santa's in the bathroom. Oh. And then they're like, Santa's not in the bathroom. We don't know where Santa is. Oh boy, did he get stage fright? <laughs> I, he eventually showed up, but he, I mean, they had the pictures and it was... It was an old man. It was an also it wasn't like a Billy Bob Thornton, I guess you could say, like a younger man who was drunk on the job. They're like, we don't know if Santa's in the bathroom or not. <laughs> cleaning up, Vix- I paid seventy five dollars for this. You know, a little kibbles and bits outside. Yeah, a little, me- a little, a little mess outside. Yes, thank you. Uh, so, what did I call it? Animal dung, dung. Mark. Yeah. Crusty dung, I believe, is what the official word is. Okay, Jonathan Taylor. Good news on that front. Speaking of Grand Park, boy, think about the drama there with Jonathan Taylor back in uh, July and August. Uh, spoke with the media yesterday. Again, Andy, first practice for him in three weeks. Now, he did speak prior to practice starting, but I do think a clip kind of enlightening. Basically, he goes back to when the injury occurred. I mean, remember the Tampa game? I mean, he, he has no idea which play. It occurred on a lot of people talked about, oh, just wrap it up, tape it up. He touches on a little bit of that. 
as well and pretty much how big of a practice day yesterday was for him. Again, a few clips here from Jonathan Taylor on his injury status. Happened? I couldn't even tell you. I just came back to the sideline. Man, something's not right. Like, hey, this is kind of weird. I checked out by the trainers and thought it was a jam. So heavy tape job, heavy tape job until, of course, you find out at the end of the game what's really going on. What did it feel like? Was it like you can't like squeeze it or you kind of just don't have any power? Like you can't. You got power, but you just, it, it won't let your body won't let you. You're like I'm squeezing, but it's, it's not. Like it, yeah, anything. it's not anything giving me anything. Like, yeah, first day full speed back. So I mean, of course, everything we've been doing has been training room and you know control, but full speed is you got full velocity on the ball you got guys coming after the ball it's it's gonna be a big day so just like ball security pass protection yes what do you think of the hurdles you have to clear personally to be available for something um i don't think i don't think it's anything close to the ankle at all um thankfully so we're just gonna go out there and we'll hit it you expect them to play depends on how this today goes and tomorrow Really today, today's the first full. That this will tell you a lot. First full speed day. How much of this do you think? You know, again, he was full yesterday, Andy, in practice. Obviously, as you just said there, the reaction to today, the reaction to tomorrow will be key. I think an important thing to walk away from those clips with Taylor is he doesn't think it's anywhere as close as the ankle in terms of the you know strenuous difficulty in you know having a rather smooth rehab process and getting back to the field. Even if you get away from the drama from a few months ago. If you just go back to late last season, there were several weeks, Andy, where we would be there on a Thursday talking to Taylor. It would look like he'd play, and then all of a sudden something would change in the 48 hours between Thursday and inactives coming out before game time. So if you hear him talk yesterday, again, he doesn't think this sort of injury is going to be the same thing. He mentioned, like, it's an upper body injury. I've been able to run. I've been able to kind of keep my wind up. Uh, even though he hasn't practiced in three weeks. Having said all of that, you know the Atlanta Falcons have it high atop the defensive priority list. When number 28 touches the ball, you rip at it because the right hand is the dominant hand. That's what he usually carries the ball in. That's where this injury has occurred. Uh, And ball security, of course, is going to be of the utmost importance for Jonathan Taylor come Sunday. How much, I guess, seeing Sermon and Goodson play the way that they did on Saturday against Pittsburgh, that gives us a little bit more hope that if Taylor is limited in this game and Moss doesn't play, that the Colts are, and I say, okay, you obviously want the better players to play. I want to be clear with that, but that makes you feel at least a little bit better or... Are you looking at last week and you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers and you say, that's a team that was ready to lay down like a dog? Or is it somewhere in between? That's probably the answer. There's no way to say this without it coming as a shot at Trey Sermon and Tyler Goodson. I thought so much of your you know, darn impressive run game effort last week, Andy, was due to your own line. It was the offensive line, right. Oh, I, sure. I, I just thought they set sure. the tone for you. It was funny. I... Uh, the Colts uh, put out a video. It was a great shot. They put one of their camera people up in the catwalk area and, you know, kind of filmed the, I mean, you talk about an all-22 shot of it. It was just a great, great camera angle from a run play. And I tweeted it out, and I'm like, boy, this is blocked so, so well. And it was, and I didn't even think of it when I tweeted the clip out. It was a Trey Sermon run up the middle for, you know, whatever, 10 or 12 yards. And several people responded with, can you imagine if that was Taylor? 
Like it was blocked that well right. that Trey Sermon and what what is his forty yard dash time four five four four six you know something like that uh, is obviously not tailored there on that front. But again, on Friday morning at seven forty five, pending what happens in today's practice, uh, Chuck Pagano would be proud of me trending in the right direction. <laughs> Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman to play. I think it's fair to say with Pittman, barring a setback, he should play. Now Ryan Kelly has had late week. Concussion setback, so guys do have that. But as long as you know everything checks out today, the independent neurologist, I think Michael Pittman's good to go. I want to see both of these guys play. Like, period. I I, I want to see. I mean, Jonathan Taylor. Colts fans would cheer well, you. To I mean, that. listen, Jonathan Taylor got the new contract, and with Taylor, the conversation has always been he is special. That is why you pay him. That is why you don't go running back by committee like a Zach Moss and a Sermon and a Goodson. That's why you have an alpha dog. And so, if he can go out there and play, I want to see him play. Like, I want to see Taylor play bad. I, I think you know the Colts have been fortunate. That, you know, Taylor came back against what Tennessee and Jacksonville, and he was very much a part time player in that Tennessee game. Seven touches. Jacksonville, they ramped him up. He got five catches uh, on that day. If you remember that Jacksonville game, 13 touches in that game. So, you know, he missed four games, and then he came back. Um, and, and, you know, he kind of had two games where it took him a little while to get his feet under him, and then you have him missing three games. So he's missed seven games, and then if you throw on top of it, Tennessee and Jacksonville, where he was very much limited. They were very much trying to get him back acclimated and everything else. I mean, those are nine games where you really haven't had Jonathan Taylor. You either haven't had him or he has been, you know, severely limited. One of a, you know, three guys that's going to run the football. I want to see Jonathan Taylor play. I mean, Andy, the last time we saw him, that was the best we've seen him in 2023. Yeah. I no, mean, no. Remember Tampa, how good he looked in that Tampa no, game? No, in Tampa Bay. I mean, they gave him the ball at the end of the game. You know, he was injured with that right, uh, with that right hand injury and everything else. Well, he carried the ball with his right hand. The final play of the game, he laid down uh, and they ran out the clock. No, I am like I'm bullish. If this team, you know, they've been able. I don't want to say limp along, okay, but they've been able to overcome, overcome, overcome. At some point. And maybe now is it's starting to happen. I think truly Braden Smith comes back and plays at a high level. That will take him uh, kind of over the hump there. I want to see these guys play. And Jonathan Taylor, to me, uh, is at the top of the list. I mean, they, they have won games here without Taylor. And I really feel like you throw him back in to the lineup and they're even more dynamic with everything they can do. They haven't had... A time this season, KB, do you feel this way to where they've had, I mean, maybe, I don't know, New England, he had a lot of touches. Tampa Bay would be the game. Maybe Carolina. But again, Carolina's so bad that you feel like, okay, they're the Colts and and Jonathan Taylor is like here and he's ready to go. They've, They've had like two weeks where that's been the case. Explain to me why this line has changed. Okay, I don't know. Okay, so I... The Colts are a two-point favorite on Monday morning. At that point, you would say Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman Jr., their statuses were in question. Uh, For those not keeping up to date with Atlanta's injuries, uh, good on you. You should be worried about other things in your life. It's not like Atlanta has had some drastic change in their injury situation this week. I don't think Taylor Heineke is this just like massively significant upgrade from Desmond Ritter. 
Why was it minus two Colts favored on Monday to we sit here Friday morning and now the Colts are a two-point underdog? You look at it. When it opened, okay, I'll go back to the 17th. Do we have a so big this bet is... here from Usher with his Falcons? <laughs> Who's the guy, Mattress Mac, who I had to interview one time at like 8 o'clock in the, the morning? the Marlins guy? Why am no, I picturing the Marlins Ma- guy? No, Mattress Mac. He's no. the one that Did makes the... owner the... of Magic City put a lot of money <laughs> Remember, Ma- You remember Mattress Mac. He's yeah, the guy that put the big money uh, on like the Houston Astros every year. He's put big money. He's changed the line of the Kentucky Derby. Is he involved significantly. here? I don't know. Okay, so just, just move the line aside. The money line has moved uh, after the games on Sunday, on the 17th, okay? No, this would have been, yeah, this would have been Sunday, uh, less than 24 hours after the Colts beat down the Steelers and scored 30 straight points. Indianapolis on the money line, you could get them at minus 124. That's why I'm looking at scoresandodds.com. The money line now, again, minus 124 is the money line for the Colts. Today, it sits, uh, I'm looking at it, at plus 116 is the money line. That's substantial. And again, for our audience out there that might be unfamiliar with what exactly that means, I'll go with the old, if you lay a $10 bet. If you were to bet $10 right now on the Colts to win the football game, um, you would win $11.60. There you go. And if you bet on the Falcons to win said football game at $10, you would win. $7.35. $7.35. So yeah, there you it's, go. It's plus 120 even on DraftKings. KB, I don't know. We talked like, yesterday. Are the Falcons good, I guess? I, I, I mean, it's scaring me a little bit. I mean, well, don't you see? I mean, Atlanta plays close games. Atlanta has led. We had, what, Josh Kendall on yesterday from The Athletic who follows the Falcons, and he said they've had how many games? It was several games where, where they have led in the final 30 seconds of a game. The last two games, I think, was the stat that he gave us. So they're not a bad team. They are they have a lot to play for. So they're at home. You are getting points. That's the only thing I can see as, as to why. But otherwise, the Colts have had the better quarterback. The Colts are going to have, you would imagine, Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman. Right? What are we missing here? I guess that's the thing. What are we missing here? If you like the Colts and you can get them up to plus two and a half, buy the half point up to a field goal and enjoy it because it's going to be a close game. That's what they're saying. It's going to be a close game, and the Colts aren't remarkably better than than the Atlanta Falcons, even though they have a much better record than the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, Josh Kendall told us yesterday he expects it to be half empty. You know, I mean, it's Christmas Eve afternoon. Yeah, so what does home if, field advantage mean? Not if, much. You know, he said if they did a poll of know. fans right now, the overwhelming would want tank versus potentially went out. I mean, I know Heineke had some magic against the Colts last year. He has not been good with Atlanta this year. It's a skill group, Andy, that you just shrug your shoulders at. They actually have a ton of running backs. They probably are a little bit more run-centric uh, with the variety of running backs that they use. Patterson's a guy that they use in a variety of ways. Um, but, you know, Drake London and Kyle Pitts and Bijan Robinson, it's all these top 10, top 15 guys, and you're just kind of left wanting more. Again, it's a very nondescript defense that's been pretty solid. That's been kind of the heavy lifter. Now, granted, look at the quarterbacks they faced. I mean, they're in the worst division in football. So um, it, it is confusing to me. It'll be a one o'clock kick. Adam Amin, Mark Schlereth on Fox. Again, scoreboard watching for the Colts. Nothing mattered, obviously, last night with Saints and Rams. 
Tomorrow, Andy, you've got two games that do matter a whole, whole lot. Now, one of them is more of a coin flip. That's kind of Bengals at Steelers. Jamar Chase officially ruled out for that game. If you are a Colts fan, you want Pittsburgh at home to take care of business. Cincinnati has the same record as you. They obviously have the head-to-head tiebreaker, whereas Pittsburgh is now a full game behind you without the head-to-head tiebreaker. And then in the nightcap, you hope for a miracle. You hope that uh, the cross-country flight does something for the Bills. Uh, that is Chargers and Bills. So two <laughs> eight and six teams along with you. You better keep hoping <laughs> tomorrow with the Chargers. With the Chargers and Bills, you better hope. What about you the ghost keep of Peacock? There. That's a yeah, Peacock. The ghost of Peacock might have to do it. You know what's scary? Me. You can imagine someone. Come on, Easton Stick. You can do it, buddy. <laughs> no ma- Keenan Allen, right? Yeah. Did I see that? There's f- no Keenan Allen. There's fans of other teams. Like, can the Chargers do it? Like, no, the Chargers can't do it, my man. Wouldn't it be such you, a Bills loss oh, to lose? Oh, it end their season. It probably end their season. Yeah. Come on, Kip Smith. Isn't that his name? Again, what do we say? I think it is coach's name. He was the outside linebacker coach before Stick and Giff Smith. That's what's going to take it down. Yeah, and whoever hell they're throwing out. Did your chair just break? Well, no. What happened? You um, took the wheel off. What happened? Yeah, I had uh, run over the cord to my headset. Oh lord, I'm looking at it. That's uh, a mess. Stuck on the wheel. Mm. This will be my project here for the next few minutes. For the next five minutes. Well, while you do that, uh, last thing for me, Greg Rakestraw going to join us here in about seven minutes. You know the the thing that has confused this game for me. Is is this the line movement? And if you're expecting a close game, there's a lot of things that can happen. So the line movement uh, is one of those. Young then, Way Coos right leg. Yeah, maybe that's it. Not spelled that way. And then just the other piece of analysis with all of this. And you did this segment yesterday for people that don't know. And I know you had the numbers. I haven't even written down the Raiders and Texans are by far playoff wise much bigger games. So while this while you want to win this game, this I almost, is the least important of your next it's three. It's by far right. the the least important game. Uh, if you won this game and then spit the bit, if you will, the next two weeks, especially the final week against Houston, you could be in a lot of trouble. And the Atlanta win might not mean a lot. And so that's what's also confusing me uh, just just about this entire... Like, I don't know who I'm going to pick when we do our picks in 35 minutes. Really? I, wow, yeah, the you're last, there. Okay. The last couple weeks, huh. and, and and I don't respect Atlanta I, or Taylor I think Heineke. Colts, I, I think Colts win this for sure. Yeah, it's just, I mean, if you're expecting... Are you expecting a close game, or is Atlanta going to have the same feel that the Steelers did last week? And that is, you know, we've we've been in this thing for 14 weeks or so. And we're done. We've had two heartbreaking losses. We keep changing quarterbacks, and we're ready to lay down in the second half. If that's the case, run Jonathan Taylor to yeah. the until the game's I think over. Falcons fans think Arthur Smith is a doofus. I think they look at their environment and think, let's spend it with family on set on Sunday. The only thing that's curious to me is like, even in all their losses, and they've lost to bad teams. I saw a stat last night. There are six teams eliminated from playoff contention already in the NFL. Six teams eliminated from playoff contention. The Falcons have lost to four of those six. Wow. Yeah. I mean, Commanders. But the only thing is, Andy. Cardinals. Panthers, of course, last Titans. week. Titans. Uh, all of these losses are by five points or less. So they're like in it. They just don't get it done late well, in I, games. I, is that what we're going to Because Pittsburgh laid down. Uh, are we going to get that from Atlanta, or is it going to be 30-26? to 26? I, I, Yeah, I you mean. Know? Is you it going to be 24-21? Shane Steichen would call them desperate. We would call them bad. Bad, bad. and teetering. Yeah. And if you punch them... <laughs> It could be all over. So, uh, more on that. Greg Gregshaw coming up next. Matt Taylor, 9 o'clock. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you. Thanks for spending it with us. Hey, Greg. 
Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Greg's Frog going to join us here coming up in just a second. Reminder, Matt Taylor coming your way at 9 o'clock. Our final show uh, before the Christmas weekend will be off Monday. The next two Mondays uh, will be off, uh, but we'll be back on Tuesday talking about everything. Now, you have, you're going to be on the air, but you have a trip coming up, right? Yeah, we, uh, with my in-laws, we go to Florida uh, every year post-Christmas. So, yeah, I'll be doing it remote uh, end of next week and then out, I think, the first two days of following week you guys just um, get a big house i mean do you have a spot to where you can go yell and scream on the radio and not wake everybody up in the house or well, what? how does that work yeah, that can be a bit dicey there <laughs> do you so. have to whisper on the radio yeah it, it's always like all right, where, whispering uh, about jonathan taylor is there an outlet in this bathroom can i can i somehow make this comrex work so that'll be my oh, life man. here for a couple of i know days people that have done many of shows in hotels and they've right. been and, you know in the morning like seal you know, six seven a.m morning you shows be at the end of the hallway but, right well I was, I was gonna say there's some uh neighbors next to him who were so happy when they're yelling and screaming about college basketball or the NFL uh, or whatever it may be. Uh, we'll give us, uh, we'll give you our picks coming up in about a half an hour. Like I said, Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, coming up at nine o'clock. All right, uh, you're you're roadie. Uh, you guys had a good time. Christmas came early uh, for Christmas me this week. Christmas came early for the Citadel against Whoa. Notre Dame. Uh, Greg Rakestraw joining just us. The basketball. It's about I know, the friendship I know. and the bonding and the bonding and the. And the the male bonding and the the snacks and the Mountain Dews and everything else. Greg Rakestraw joining us on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Rake, good morning. Happy holidays. How are you, sir? Good, friends. How are we doing? Uh, we're fantastic. Uh, f- so how was it hanging out with KB and watching him watch his favorite team get blown out by the Citadel on Tuesday? Can we not talk about like maybe seeing the Golden Dome or having a Touchdown nice drink Jesus. in the Morris End? I mean, there's other parts than just the game. It was really cool. I can tell of KB's true passion for the team when at the eight-minute mark, he goes, hey, you want to leave at the after-four media timeout? In other words, you didn't want to stay to the bitter end, knowing the direction this thing was heading. We get to a free throw at about the 420 mark, and he's like, let's bail. So I needed you to scratch my back at that point, Rake. But this is is not exactly, you know, some sort of – you know, faux interest in the team. This is a legitimate thing. He could not stomach the thought of being there to watch the bitter end of the Citadel beating the Irish by 20. Unbelievable. I was telling Andy and Mark, uh, Citadel's best player on Tuesday night was a Mike Bray walk-on at Notre Dame. I mean, does that just add? Does that salt meat wounds? 
walk on at Notre Dame, and he's the Citadel's best player. Rank, I was telling people, every exit you had just a great anecdote for me on that end, and it got me thinking, and I meant to ask you this, but honestly, it kind of hit me as I was walking into my house on Tuesday night, and thank you very much for driving, by the way. If you had to tell someone you can go to one high school gym above I-70, one high school gym below I-70, what would be your answers? The one below I-70 would be the Hatchet House. That's always a place I've, I've loved. Um, you know, Seymour is, is, is thought to be the mecca of southern Indiana, and it largely is, I would say, Hatchet House below I-70. North of I-70, I don't have as much experience. I may be going to it to the next couple of days. I'll be Memorial Gym in Kokomo. I've got two games this afternoon and then two games tomorrow evening. They're playing 12 there the next two days. The Phil Cox Memorial Tournament, obviously Kokomo is the headliner, but locally Plainfield, Mount Vernon, Warren Central all being a part of that. Um, but, but there are gyms that I need to go to that are farther north. So since I'm in the South Bend area, I would probably say the gym that is in the oldest continuous use of any in the state, the cave, the home of the Mishawaka Cavemen. Oh, interesting. You ever done a game at Marion? At the Bill Green Arena, yes, I have. Um, and even for someone who is from a, a high school that is all purple, that's a lot of purple in that building. Bill Greenery, all the seats are now purple. That smacks in the face when you walk in. But yes, I've been lucky to do a couple of games at Bill Green. Seymour, that's kind of in your old neck of the woods, uh, Andy Sweeney. I, you know, Greg, you know, I've been to that Seymour gym about 30 times. Absolutely. I've been to that Seymour gym quite a few times. I don't know how many times, but yeah, I say 30. It's probably 30. It's a big gym. What was can that, it hold? Was that where the. 8,000, maybe? Something like that? 7,500? Rick, was that where Romeo Gans. Romeo against Warren Central was, or is that a different spot? No, that is correct. Uh, and I was there on the radio call that day for that one. I did the semi-state three consecutive years uh, at Seymour. Romeo played because that was the home of the sectional, the regional, the yep. semi-state. Um, I I want to say that he played like, almost like a full season of games at Seymour. Like once you count the couple of regular <laughs> season games he played, I think he may have gotten to 20-plus games that he played in his career at that place. Um, the other place that, that would technically be north of I-70, and it takes my breath away every time I see it, and I'll see it next Friday and Saturday, and that is Newcastle Chrysler yeah. Fieldhouse. Yeah. And, and it, again, it is just, you are taken aback every time you walk in by the sheer size of that place. When you walk in at the top and you go, the floor is all the way down there, and this is a high school facility. It's crazy the size of of, of, of the field house sixty years after it was built. Uh, someone just sent us. Richard just sent us a message, and he's spot on. I totally forgot about this. Does Greg Rakestraw have anything for the for the fan that tried to check in at the IUPUI game with the LeBron James jersey? Have you seen this, KB? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we haven't asked you about this. Made the rounds. Yeah. That was part of Rake and I's oh, three hundred and thirty-seven <laughs> topics we covered <laughs> sure. in the five hours there and well, back. Well, Ray, give us something on that. I mean, that's I'm look I'm watching it right now, and it is pretty funny and ridiculous. Well, ridiculous. I'll, I'll give you that much. Um, so yeah. So so at the end of the at the IUPUI Lindenwood game last Saturday, I'm I'm kind of just you know there's two free throws getting ready to happen to the right of me, and IUPUI has a sub ready to check in, 
And here comes somebody else in a uniform that kind of matches yeah. that doesn't look like one of our players. And I go, huh, that's a fan from the stands that's trying to check into the game. And so typically, what you in a scenario where, like, say, in soccer, somebody storms the pitch or in football, right. you've got a field invader, as the, as the broadcast, try not to ignore it. You're not trying to give that person extra attention because then what happens? Well, more people try to do something like that because or they copycats. Get their, yeah. They, they, they get their 15 minutes of fame. Um, I was a party of one in terms of those on the broadcast that, you know, no, that, that, that ignored it because clearly we put it on camera. Um, Bob referenced it kind of vaguely. So if you go back and watch the the the, the footage was put on TikTok or, yeah. or, or whatever, that's what I'm watching um, right now. You, you basically, if 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 you're listening to it, one one thing that is absent is my voice until we huh. get to so counter to shoot too. So again, I'm doing my best to try to ignore it. Um, to be honest with you, I thought it was someone with special needs. Yeah, and 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 that's not and that's not to be that's not to, to denigrate the person, but kind of the way that 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 Matt Crenshaw, the IUPUI head coach, handled it by just kind of putting his arm around him. I'm like, oh, that's right. what it is. Right. So so I'm like, okay, I'm I'm not going to make fun of someone in that situation. I've now I didn't know this person or his background beforehand. Now I because Lord knows my phone blew up about it. Um, you know, I, I, I know a little bit more, and that was not the case. So I can tell you, having had an IUP when I came there last night, there were a few conversations with security about sure. mm, kind of restricting floor access a, a little bit more. But Andy, you got to remember the grand scheme of things. I've dealt with gunfire at games I've done twice. I was on the broadcast where Andrew Luck retired, and I had a coach resign to me during a postgame show once. So you've, in the you've grand scheme of things that I have dealt with, believe me, this is no big deal. Wait, wait, wait. Coach coach resigned postgame. Tell us more, Rake. So that happened in June of 2021 with the Indy 11, where Martin Rennie was about to coach his 100th game for the Indy 11. He was on game number 99. They had a spit of struggle, or a bit of struggle, and – um, basically, it, after I asked him the first question, he goes, well, I'm not sure I'm the guy to, 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 to do this job anymore. Huh. And he, he kind of expounds on that. And as you well know, in a broadcast, you've got like talkback buttons uh, where you can kind of get to the producer or make sure that it's just your, your partner that is the person hearing this. So I kind of grabbed both of them. And as so Martin, as, as the setup is at IUPUI, where we have for the Indy 11, He's about 15, 20 feet away from me. He's down on the track. I'm about four or five rows up. And I'm trying to do this as, uh, as inconspicuously as possible, where I hit the talk back button. I look at Brad. I go, did you hear what I just heard? And he kind of nodded his head. And so I basically said, all right, we've still got three more questions to get through here. Let's let him finish his, set, his, his statement, but ask him about specific players and nothing else. So that way we, he doesn't try to bring this back up, or at least we're going to make an effort to not bring it back up. So we kind of get to break and, 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 and then kind of, kind of uh, figure it out from there. And so we do that. We, I throw it a break immediately. I get in the producers here. You heard that too, right? And he goes, uh-huh. So, okay. So during this little two-minute break, I'm like texting people in the front office, hey, just so you know, I'm pretty sure Martin just resigned to me. <laughs> So, so, what did yeah, they say? Again, that came on the heels of after dealing with the Andrew Luck retirement live as it was happening during the fourth quarter of a preseason game. So, 
Uh, wow. I, I think I've got an honorary doctorate in crisis communication at this point. Gosh, yeah, teach a class or something. I like that. Yeah, yeah. And this was. I'm, I just keep watching. It's very, very odd what happened there. I, I, I had forgotten that because obviously it was, uh, it was several days ago now. Greg Rakestraw with us. Uh, how do the Colts win in Atlanta? That spread has moved, you know, three and a half, four points in the last five days or so. How do the Colts get the win and keep these good feelings going on this season? The same thing that they have done. And I, and I realize that this sounds so amazingly football cliche, what I'm about to say. So I want to acknowledge that first. But for this Colts team, it has been the absolute gospel truth. Win the turnover battle. Make fewer mistakes. This is a team that, from a scheme standpoint, offensively, has done things so well. Again, against a good defense. I don't think Pittsburgh's a good team. They're a good defense. Against a good defense last week, they had star turns from Tyler Goodson, Trey Sermon, and DJ Montgomery. Those are guys with zero NFL carries entering the game, 223 yards rushing in his career in three years entering the game, and three NFL catches entering the game. And those guys all made big plays. That's about coaching. That's about putting guys in the right position. That's about having the right personnel put together by Chris Ballard, et cetera. So this team has the, has the intellect, has the um, ability, has the resiliency to find other guys that can make things happen. What this team does not have is the ability to spot the other team's short fields, the ability to, to, to win a game where they lose a triple battle. I know they had a punt block, and so one of the scoring prizes last week for the Steelers was all of one yards. But when the Colts stopped making mistakes and stopped and started forcing mistakes, they rattled off 30 consecutive points. So I don't think Atlanta's anything special. Um, I, I think the Colts are maybe just a, a, a tick above average, to be honest with you. But there are things that they do exceedingly well. But I think offensive game plan and scheme is one of those things. So use that same formula in Atlanta on Sunday afternoon. Make fewer mistakes. And I like this team's chances to win a football game. He is the great, great Greg Straw. I thoroughly enjoyed our trip up to South Bend and the company that he helped provide there to and fro. Great driving as well from Greg. Thank you. Uh, I, was that some ice cube that you had playing when I got in the car? Was that correct? So I'm sure it was. Uh, put your back into it, yes, uh, yeah. is what was bumping at, uh-huh. at the time. So, you know, I have an, I have an 18-channel um, rotation that I have. And as you can tell, I am a serial flipper. I'll give something three seconds. If I don't like it, boom, we're going to the next. We'll keep scrolling until we find something. 107.5 is, is spot number five on my car. It is one of two actual over-the-air radio stations that is on the rotation, so you guys should feel honored. Gosh, I do. I feel greatly honored. I should have observed that more. Uh, great musical selection, great sports selection as we drove up to South Bend. We know the team in South Bend, Rake, uh, they couldn't be further from the NCAA tournament. Unfortunately, I believe the team that you call will also not be in the NCAA tournament no. this season. Um, I, I kind of do this annually with you. I think it's the first time I've done it here on these Friday appearances. Uh, if I set the over-under of State of Indiana NCAA tournament teams at three and a half. Three and a half teams from the state of Indiana making the tournament. Where are you going? Just a bit over. So, Purdue, obviously. I think Indiana's going to get enough wins to get in. I think Butler's going to get enough wins to get in. 
and then one of Indiana State or Evansville, I think, can win the Valley, and then potentially Ball State or Purdue-Fort Wayne could win their respective leagues. So let's say it's four. Okay. So if the over under three right. and a half, I'll take the over slightly. That's a big number it is for big recent number. years here in the state of Indiana. Right, because we were so spoiled. I remember one year it was six teams that right. made the postseason. Um, and that's it. And we've had years where nobody has made the postseason. There's one definite, that is Purdue. There are two that I think that are trending in the right direction in terms of both Butler and Indiana. And again, what you really have that's different is the mid-majors. Again, you've got a couple of stragglers like Valparaiso and IUPUI, but Indiana State, they could have a special year going. Again, they're 10-1. They play at Michigan State next Saturday before they get back into Valley play. But Indiana State is really good. Purdue-Fort Wayne has had a good year in the Horizon League so far, and that's a team that is almost completely new. They had a had a very experienced group last year that just fizzled after a good season in 21-22. So John Kaufman did a great job up, up at Purdue-Fort Wayne. Evansville, again, they've had a couple of, of, of sizable losses, but still their record is by far the best it has been in a long time as they head back into Valley play uh, as, as they hit the next weekend. So, um, that, and, and Michael Lewis' team at Ball State also, even though Indiana State got them last Saturday, Ball State's off to a good start. And doing so with a lot of Indiana kids on that roster as well. So I think amongst that group of three or four, maybe two, but I think at, like, at least one of that group will be an NCAA tournament team. And if it's Ball State, be the first time that would be the case in 24 years. Greg Regstraw with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, yeah, I'm just looking at bracketology. IU, Indiana, you know, Indiana State and IU both in Joey Brackett's uh, latest bracket uh, a day ago. Oh, he's or got so. IU in it. I thought he, they were way out. Well, they were out, uh, but he's got him in. The North Alabama win pushed him in. Well, I mean, when you beat North Alabama by 17 or whatever it was last night, it's a big win. People start to pay it. Bracketologists pay attention. Uh, Rake, what's your schedule? I know you mentioned a few games already with us. What's your schedule the next few days? All right, so two games in Kokomo this afternoon, uh, one game in Speedway tonight, uh, two games in Kokomo tomorrow night, and you can see the championship game on TV. Again, I think it's likely Kokomo against could be any of, of the Warren, Plainfield, town of Mount Vernon trio. Obviously, Colts on Sunday afternoon, and then I get all of three days off next Ooh, week. Ooh, wow. How about that? Good for you. 26-27 for it's then. Hall of Fame Classic, Paul Logan Classic, IUPUI Basketball, more Colts football. So I do get, not in a long stretch, I do get some three- and four-day stretches off over the next couple of weeks, which uh, my voice and family will greatly appreciate. Rake, you remember that fourth Final Four team in 1994? Uh, it be Arizona. Yeah, since that stumped me for like, like at least three counties uh, on the way to South Bend <laughs> yeah, on yeah. Tuesday. Yeah, there, were, there was some road trivia that was going back and forth on the drive to South Bend, folks. I noticed the cruise control went off, and you really gunned it there as you started to think who that fourth Final Four team was and that the leading score in the tournament. Much as you could not believe you road trip to see the Citadel beat Notre Dame by 20, uh, that was my frustration. And I go, Dimitri Hill played for Florida. Andrew DeClerc was on that team. That was Grant Hill's last run at Duke. I remember Arkansas winning it because, you know, President Clinton was there, and I couldn't think of Khalid Reeves and the Arizona Wildcats. I choose to think of the highlight was your Irish old-fashioned and my daredevil liftoff before the game. 
Yeah, and if I had known they weren't selling beer at the arena, I would have had a second old-fashioned. Well, had I known they lost by 20, I might have shotgunned my Daredevil <laughs> liftoff, but I don't know if Jack Swarbrick in the back of the Morris Inn would have approved of that You guys could have taken there. your own little uh, little shooters, your yeah. little bourbon shooters into the game. Maybe needed a flask for that. that. That campus, A, was so beautiful, and B, was so deserted, because finally, this was the week before, we could have taken an entire sixer out of the bar that anybody would have noticed as we would have walked to the Joy Center. Without question. Shout out to the great Ryan Owens, though. It was a nice tour yeah. we got of the practice facility before the game. Ray, can't thank you enough. Fun trip. Uh, have a great holidays with the family. Enjoy the calls the next couple of days, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. See you. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Fellas. Colts Falcons, 1 o'clock Sunday. That's a Fox game. Adam Amin, Mark Schlereth, our, uh, Stink. Uh, <laughs> our radio crew, or our radio broadcast will begin at 10. Again, we've talked about it really all week long, but especially these last couple days. It's very interesting to observe those in Vegas having this line shift from the Colts favored by a couple to the Falcons now favored by a couple. And again, I think it's an encouraging injury report for the Colts. I mean, I, I guess no Zach Moss. I guess no Brain Smith, but... You know, Jonathan Taylor, full yesterday. Michael Pittman, full. I, I, you know, maybe if Vegas knows that all of a sudden the Colts are going to hold them out, but I would say they're trending in a very positive direction. Matt Gay looks like he will kick. I, I don't think that all of a sudden shifts the line greatly. Does Taylor Heineke shift the line? I don't. Heineke's been bad for Atlanta. Yeah. I know we have PTSD in this market by what Heineke did to the Colts last year with the Commanders, but he's not been very good. Over the last year or two. No, I mean, I'm looking. He, uh, da, 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 da. like 50-something percent this year with the Falcons? Uh, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm, ser- I'm searching. I mean, his completion percentage, 55%. I mean, I don't know. Three touchdowns, one interception. Anytime he's played in a game this season, they've lost. <laughs> I mean, I'm searching for what it would be. Do you want me to go first? Because I have my score. I don't mind. I mean, I'll go sure. first. Um, I have the, I, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back with the Colts. I'm going to have the Colts winning 26, 19. Uh, um, you know, now you were wishy-washy. So what, what all of a sudden changed? I, I just think, listen, I think this team's better. I just think the Colts are a better team. I think they have the better coach. I think they have the better quarterback. I think uh, while they may not have on paper better skill position guys, if you tell me, okay, now they have Jonathan Taylor uh, who's coming back, that evens things up. And then on top of it, Atlanta doesn't get the ball to those guys, right? I mean, Drake London didn't have his first catch until the third quarter. I know it was a rainy game in, uh, in in Carolina. I guess you could worry a little bit about the running game, but Atlanta, this is a team, KB, that cannot get out of their own way. I think that has to be 
part of the analysis as well. And I guess I've been searching for something in the gambling world to tell me, okay, what are we looking at? I Here's here's a few numbers. Indiana has covered, uh, Indianapolis has covered five of their last seven uh, games. They're 7-9-1 against the spread against the NFC. Uh, I mean, I don't know how much that number I care about. Boy, but that, that's Atl- reaching for Pluto. Oh, it, it is. Trying to find a Atlanta number. has failed to cover five of their last six games at home. They're just two, six, and one against the spread in non-conference battles. I guess I'm thinking they're going to be dead. 26-19, it's still a one-score game. If you told me it was a one-score game, I wouldn't be surprised. If you thought it would even be a little bit closer than this, 27-23, 27-24, I wouldn't be surprised. This one's odd just because the next two being AFC games matter so much more. Uh, and I know Atlanta's up against it. I just don't believe late in the year some of these teams some of these bad teams are going to get it together. We saw that with Pittsburgh last week. I'll say the trend continues in Atlanta on Sunday, 26-19 Colts. They keep winning, and we talk about them still being in the playoffs on Monday. 23-13 Colts. Um, yeah, I don't really have too much fret over this one. Um, I think Atlanta's teetering big time. Um you know, for the umpteenth week in a row, it seems like you've gotten the headline of coach, quarterback, future in question with Colts opponent. And I think that's definitely on the table here. It is, you know, notable to me that Atlanta is a very, again, nondescript defense. Their secondary probably has a few more names. Uh, they do play a lot of kind of press man coverage. So I am curious how the Colts will handle that. Uh, but they have been pretty good defensively. I think a lot of that is byproduct of they've just not played good offenses, to be totally honest with you. Um, I know they're getting a couple of guys back on their O line. If you want to look at a little bit of a reason for why Atlanta might be a slight favorite in this one, but boy, it just seems like their season has been has been defined by why did I draft Kyle Pitts that high in fantasy? Why did I draft B. John Robinson that high in fantasy? Like they just don't get those dudes involved. Uh, so I, I don't think they score very much. Twenty three thirteen. Can I ask you something? When's the last game? And I'm trying to even remember our analysis of the Steelers. You had the Steelers winning that game. I'm not picking on you. I had no, the Colts. I, did. Yeah, I uh-huh. had the Colts winning, but I didn't think. Yeah, I thought TJ Watt would be. Well, I didn't difference. think they would drop thirty straight on him and make it kind of a joke in the fourth quarter. When's the last game that you can remember where you said I'm not fretting over this game? With the Colts, because that's what, to me, yeah, that's, probably Carolina and New to, England. Yeah, to me, that's a strong statement. I mean, be Carolina, but you'd have to go back to two years before those two games. Would, would there be yeah. anything last season that you would say? I guess my point <laughs> is no. the last few years, yeah. there haven't been many Colts games where you sat here on a football Friday and say, I'm not fretting over this game, and the Colts would be on the road against a team who's trying to make the postseason. I think last that, year's game that we would have fretted about was the Colts-Texans opener. Like, oh, they got no Deshaun Watson, this, that, and then they tied them. You're like, <laughs> tied oh, okay. Had, had to scramble for your life to tie. Yeah. They, they, shut, they shut out the Texans. Uh, a couple years ago in Houston, so maybe that would be the last one. Mark, are you going clean sweep here? So I would feel more comfortable if Desmond Ritter was under center over Taylor Heineke. Taylor Heineke is one of those guys for me, which I can't explain why I like him, but I do. I think he's a serviceable Ooh, he backup. Bush light on the team plane. I, there, there you go. And I think he also gets skill guys like Drake London more involved than uh, Desmond Ritter would. I am going Colts. I am going Andy Sweeney. And I have almost identical scores. I said Colts 26-20. Um, but I think Heineke could give the give the give the Falcons uh, a little more juice than Desmond Ritter can, and that Falcons defense. You don't really think Atlanta Falcons in defense too much, but their defense is actually pretty solid. So I will preface that 
while I'm picking the Colts, the the Falcons do kind of scare me a little bit. I do think, and again, game. Pittsburgh went totally opposite. Like if you would have told me last week Pittsburgh gets off to a 13 nothing start, I would say, wow, that is gold for them. Uh, of course, they're going to be in the game the rest of the way. Obviously, they were not. It does feel like with how much Atlanta is teetering, if you can get on them early. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Does that yeah. you know, lead to some internal or a lot of guys on the sideline being like, guys, this isn't it. We are done. We are toast of toast. Because again, for them to have any chance of making the playoffs, they have to win out. And even with that, they still need, they need some, help. some help right from so, Tampa, especially. Uh, that's where they are at. Right. Do you now. think the Colts get behind in this game? I mean, we've seen it them get down seven nothing, thirteen nothing to Pittsburgh. Right? Yeah, I'd like to see them stop that trend. Now, if you get down fourteen nothing and come back and win more often than if you get up ten nothing and lose, uh, I can deal with it. But I think that would be one thing. I'm looking for the Colts not to be down and us sit here, you know, second quarter, third possession, ten minutes to go until halftime, and we say the Colts need something here. They need to steady things. They need to get something going. A quicker start to me would be. Yeah, I mean, they were down against Tampa, they were down against Tennessee, they were down against Cincinnati, and they were down against Pittsburgh, right? So each of the last four? If yes. For whatever, yes. Yeah. I feel like it's almost every game with them. If for whatever reason you're, uh, you're a Colts fan that happens to be going to this game or in the Atlanta area, uh, StubHub, $19 Ooh. for tickets. Yeah, last, yeah I was going to say, I saw 20 in the upper deck yesterday. I mean, I was a little surprised when Josh Kendall was like, yeah, um... <laughs> it's going to be half full. But you know Atlanta fans anyway. There's some fair weatherness there. And they don't like their coach. And their quarterback stinks. Right? It's Christmas. <laughs> Jaden Daniels time, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they have other things they can worry about in, we, in hot Atlanta. We nerded out over a few of these numbers yesterday. For those that might have missed it, again, 3-0, and Colts in the playoffs. 0-3 the rest of the way. They're not in the playoffs. The other six scenarios look like this. To Andy's point, if you beat Atlanta, but then lose to the Raiders and lose to the Texans, you have a 3% chance at making the playoffs. If your one win the rest of the way is just the Raiders, you have an 11% chance. If your one win the rest of the way is just the Texans, that jumps to 26%. Now, under the two of three win scenarios the rest of the way, if your one loss is to the Texans, it's just a coin flip. It's 54%. So even if you win the next two but lose to Houston, it's still a coin flip. I mean, think about that. 10-win team, yeah, that, these and it'd stats, be a coin flip. Th- these stats are messing with my head. Now, now, if one of your two wins is Houston, so let's say you beat Atlanta, lose to the Raiders, then beat Houston, 87%. And then this furthers Andy's point about Sunday with Atlanta being the least important of the three. If you lose on Sunday... And then you come back and you beat the Raiders and beat the Texans, 94% chance. So a loss on Sunday inevitably could lead to a bit of DEFCON reaction from the fan base. If you look at the numbers, though, it would not mean that necessarily. Yes, your margin for error would shrink a whole lot and you'd have to scoreboard watch a whole lot, et cetera, et cetera. But for the umpteen time in a row this week, uh, just flex Colts and Texans right now. Flex it to what? Sunday what did night. we say? Sunday well, night? Is that what we're thinking? Or flex it to what? Yeah, we had we had kind of debated, you know, in our meeting, in our post-show meeting one day, like, when would you flex it? You know, what the NFL likes to do is kind of have the standalone game at 830, like, you know, win and get in. Was Packers-Lions last year? Did you right. say that was Aaron Rodgers lost at home? But if other games Thank you. have impact on Colts-Texans, they're going to want to put that at the same time slot as right. other. So. 
I'm just throwing this out there. If Jacksonville, for example, has not clinched anything, they're going to want to put Jags Titans right. the same times as, right. as Colts Texans. So maybe they flex that to like 425. Um, so, and there are, what did we look up, Mark? There were two Saturday games last year. Yeah, two Saturday games, which had minimal. But those had very little impact, right? Yeah, it was like Chiefs Broncos, Chiefs, Broncos right? and the yeah. Chiefs won. They locked up the number one seed, and the other one was like Eagles, Cowboys, and that was strictly like uh, the Cowboys were fighting for like fifth or sixth seed or something like that. It was very low stakes on the Saturday Yeah, games. they both were in because the Eagles won the East by so much last year. Yeah. They, so, for the cruise last year. This the, year, not the case. The win and get in game seems to be the ones that NBC and Sunday Night Football circle and say, we want those as like one team's going in, one team's going out. Right. That's how it's going. Which, again, you might have like Bills Dolphins for the AFC East. You could have one of the NFC South games have that same sort of feeling. So, um, this will not be decided until after the Raiders game. So, what we know about the Colts is this one o'clock Sunday, Christmas Eve. 1 o'clock New Year's Eve against the Raiders at home. That'll be the Raiders on a short week, by the way. The Raiders play Monday night, or uh, Monday but sometime here, coming up in week 16. Week 18, that season finale at home with, with the Texans. That is unknown. We'll find that out uh, coming up late Sunday into Monday in a week. Can All I right. ask you a question about the Pacers on the other end yes. before we get to Matt Taylor? Please I just want to kind of kind of what we all think about one item as the Pacers lost again last night. Pacers chatter up next Matt Taylor in 10. We didn't jump on KB when he said uh, during one of his live reads earlier, you said, I hope it snows on Christmas. Don't you it, want that? It's, I, I wouldn't mind it to you snow. look out the window yeah. and see a little well, snow? I, I wouldn't mind. It's going to be 55. It's going to rain all day. I think, that sounds Monday. miserable. Yeah, that so, stinks. Yeah, I guess I would rather have 35 and a little bit of an inch Just of snow. Just wake up to snow. I'm not saying yeah. it needs to snow all day. I used to live in western New York, so you guys can bleep off, both well, of uh, both of you. Bust, I'm kidding. you bust some of that here? Merry Christmas to you, too. <laughs> Yeah, so anyway. I think Matt Taylor would agree with you. Matt Taylor, do you want to wake up to snow on Christmas Day? Absolutely. Christmas Day where I don't have to be anywhere or go anywhere. <laughs> snow all you want. The 26th, get the hell out of here. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm good with that. Boy, you guys want a very controlled I, environment. We do. Yeah, that's exactly what you want. See, have you seen 465 lately? I don't need anything else to, to make that worse. I'm good. Snow makes my life miserable. I don't want to drive in snow. Get now, the hell out of here. Now, travel-wise, Matt Taylor, as a father of two, this is not a bad schedule. I mean, yeah, you're playing Christmas Eve afternoon, but you should be in your home at a decent hour Christmas Eve night to set out the cookies for Santa, right? That's right. Yeah, I told I told Molly, my oldest, my my seven year old today. Shout out to Molly. Her birthday is today. The big number seven. Yeah. Oh, happy birthday. birthday, Molly. Let's go, man. Yeah. Birthday and Christmas. Pray for you and Sam. Now, who's yeah. got it better than her the next few uh, next few days? Wow. Yeah, man. Life is good. Life is good for her. So yeah, today is a big day. She's got her last day of school is today. So she brought in donuts to her classmates. She's got the Christmas party. She's got a birthday party later tonight. What's, She's uh, living her best life, man. She'll be uh, up till no, midnight. I'll be I'll be home by you know latest nine o'clock on Sunday evening. And I told her I said if you can wait, you know to to wrap up uh, some presents and maybe open up one or two before Santa Claus comes the next day overnight. Um, you know, Dad would really appreciate it just to see that light in her, that little sparkle in her eye. Sure. Um, so yeah, really looking forward to that, and I think she's gonna, I think she's gonna hold down the uh, the patience and, and be able to do that. <laughs> At least that's what she said. Are we getting a a Christmas and or Santa centric call out of you at any point on Sunday? Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
I hadn't even thought about that. Because I know, I know you had there. a down, you know, down goes Rudolph had Mason Rudolph played more last weekend, right? <laughs> well, Gardner, well, Gardner Minshew delivers the present on, you know, I mean, something like Buckner that. Buckner rips off Rudolph's nose after a sack. That's I don't right. know, something like that. Samson Abacom plays the Grinch in Atlanta, you know, something <laughs> cheeseball city. I don't know. I mean, those things just have to flow. They got to be organic. You can't plan them, right? I know you hate that answer, but know, whatever we get, that's what we get. I think it'll be it'll be you know time time for the moment. It'll be appropriate for for whatever happens. Matt, what a, what Matt, a PR statement! It, it by really Matt is. Uh, Matt, he's a professional. He's uh, he's buttoned up today on this football Friday. Matt Taylor joining us on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, so the bad game against Cincinnati, and then it's thirteen nothing there early against Pittsburgh. What were you guys thinking in the booth? I mean, the rest of us were thinking, what the hell's going on here? Is this going to happen for a second straight week, and especially to the evil Pittsburgh Steelers, and then 30 straight points, a lot of feel-good in that second half. Kind of set the scene what you were thinking before the offense really turned things on there on Saturday. Well, I just remember I go back to what I talked with you guys last week about. I think I think it was you, Andy, that asked me, you know, the, the special team stuff, you know, what what was your worried level about the special teams from the week before in Cincinnati and, and making sure that was just kind of a one thing and, and not something that was going to carry over. And I said, pretty confident that those special teams uh, blunders are going to get uh, shored up. And yeah, they didn't, at least in the first half, you know, with a punt blocked and uh, you know, you've had Matt Gay missing some field goals here lately. I mean, the last two weeks you've had, you know, a muff punt, a block punt, some big kickoff returns allowed a uh, PAT missed some short field goals. I mean, the special teams got to get cleaned up. But I mean, as soon as uh, the Steelers they they got that that uh, block punt and then returned it down to the one yard line, uh, then they got into the end zone a couple plays later. You're thinking, how in the world in this enormous game in terms of of playoff ramifications? You know, it's a home game against the Steelers, who kind of psychologically represent you know just something different in terms of the venom from the fan base and. Uh, you know, it's an AFC game. I mean, all of those things, you know, standalone window, 430 on a Saturday. And here you are, you're down 13 to nothing in the blink of an eye to really a bad football team. I mean, Pittsburgh, I know they got a lot going on right now, but um, certainly they're not going to be confused with one of the best teams at the moment in the AFC conference. And here you are down by two touchdowns early in the game. Um, yeah, it, it, it wasn't a good feeling. There's no doubt about that. But give credit to this team for rallying back and you know, scoring 30 unanswered points and, and playing what I call Steichen ball. And I know, you know, Coach Steichen didn't, didn't really, uh, you know, he, wanted, he, he was modest and he, we had, that's Colts football. But, you know, go back to what he talked about at the beginning of, of his introductory press conference, right? You're going to throw the, the score and you're going to run to win. And that's exactly what the Colts did last Saturday to beat the Steelers. So just really impressed with their ability to bounce back. And, you know, that's kind of been a theme, unfortunately, for this team is, is having to bounce back in these games. I think, the Colts have given up 81 points in the first quarter of this season, which I think is the third most uh, in the NFL this year. Um, they've had six uh, scoreless first quarters this season, um, so that's not a recipe for success. But I think you know this this team has has proven that it's it's got a lot of different layers to it, and you know it's not going to panic and it's not going to freak out if it doesn't go well early. They show a lot of resiliency, and I think that's just culture. That's buy in. You know, from from the top, from the head coach Shane Steichen, in terms of what he's been able to kind of implement um, at a, at an early point in training camp, and how that's uh, carried forward here heading into Week 16. 
This one from Kirk. He goes, I bought a new big-ass snowblower. He wants six to eight <laughs> inches on Christmas and then 70 degrees the next day. I think we can get behind that. As long as Matt Taylor is you know, back in his, you know, in his home and not you know, stuck in Atlanta in there. Uh, Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, with us here. Again, it is Colts and Falcons, 10 a.m. Sunday. Our coverage will begin. That's what you need. You need to, you need to live next to the guy that has the pool. Or the damn next right. Guy Great point. Snowblower. Yeah, I mean, uh-huh. how many times a year are you going to use a snowblower around here? Maybe maybe one? We so want the we dog next door. We don't want to pay for the vet bills, but we want Rosie to pet the dog next door. That's exactly right. You want a dog three doors down. They got yeah. a dog. Go uh-huh. pet the dog. Yeah, Actually, That's three right. doors down is probably the better part of it. Yeah, you don't want to hear that barking too, too much. Uh <laughs> All right, unsung guys, Mate. I know you've done some research on the DJ Montgomerys, the Tyler Goodsons, the Trey Sermons. By the way, I had to laugh yesterday when Jonathan Taylor was talking about the Steelers game, and he goes, "Man, watching that didn't it feel like a Wisconsin game, <laughs> like like late in that game, just run after yeah. run after run." Uh, Goodson, Sermon, Montgomery. Uh, honestly, sounds like a priest or a pastor on Christmas. Any of those three. A little bit of background, a little nugget, wherever you want to go. What do you find interesting about those three? Because this time last Friday, Matt Taylor, they couldn't be further from the conversation. Yeah, I don't, I don't think a lot of Colts fans knew who, uh, what number, uh, you know, Trey Sermon was or, uh, you know, DJ Montgomery, Tyler Goodson. Uh, I'll give you something interesting that I, I talked with, uh, with, with Tyler Goodson about this week. You know, I asked him, we were talking about, you know, the great game on Saturday and just the, the validation of that game you know, gave him and the confidence boost. You know, he got his first carries in the NFL last Saturday, next man up, right? And it's it's always that balance. I mean, Trey Sermon talked about that this week, too. It's always that balance of, you know, showing compassion and being there for your teammate, right? When Zach Moss goes down, it's like you, you, you have to compartmentalize so many things of, of being there for your teammate, but also at the same time, you know, in the back of your mind, it's like, oh, bleep, it's it's time to go. Like, I'm the guy now. And I think Sermon dealt with that. Certainly Tyler Goodson dealt with that. But I asked Tyler in the locker room this week, I said, you know, no disrespect, but I said, how did you you get here, man? Because your resume is really good. I said, you know, you're an all-Big Ten guy. You are a star running back at a running program, just like, you know, Jonathan Taylor was. You know, he alluded to the Wisconsin throwback game. That's what Tyler Goodson was at Iowa. He was a 1,000-yard rusher with the Hawkeyes. And I just was like, how how did you – I don't mean to like, you know, he's pick fast. Dad, he ran a fast 40 yard dash time coming right. out four four. Right. He had, he had everything that you seemingly need to, to kind of have a, a, a good chance of, you know, cracking that code in the NFL. And I said, I mean, no disrespect, you know, and I didn't want to pick at the scab, but how did you, how did you go undrafted? Like, how did that happen? And he just looked at me. He's like, dude, I have no idea. And he said, it gut me. It absolutely gut me. Um, I, I wasn't surprised. I wasn't ready for it. I was really surprised by it. And he said on draft weekend a couple of years ago in 2022, I guess, he said when that, when the, when the seven rounds went by and the three days were over, he said, I just sit, I just sat and cried. And he said, I just, I bawled like a baby. Wow. Um, but he continued to fight. I mean, he got his chance to, you know, make the, uh, the Packers practice squad last year. And he was kind of buried behind their two top backs. And he knew that it was going to take, you know, some, some circumstances for him to see the field. And it never happened. Um, then came over here with the Colts. Same thing. He's behind the top two backs and Jonathan Taylor and Zach Moss. Well, both guys are banged up. And I just think it speaks to, you know, to, to paint now with the broad stroke with all three of those guys, with Montgomery, Sermon, 
and Goodson, I think it just speaks to their level of professionalism. They're young guys, right? You're talking about 24, 22-year-olds, um, and, and they just have that ability to stay ready despite not getting a lot of reps, if, if any at all, with the first-team offense and practice. And to, and to be able to you know, prepare as if you're the starter and take those mental reps because you're just one or two plays away as last Saturday exhibited. So I'm just really happy for those guys personally and individually. And again, for Goodson, you know, his story of, of uh, you know, being really, really you know, gutted with, with uh, the expectations of, of wanting to be drafted, not seeing that come, and then finally get, get his chance in the, you know, to, to maximize that opportunity. So many times in this league, you just need to give somebody a chance, and you'll be really, really pleasant, pleasantly surprised with what they can do with it. And that was the case with all three of those guys last Saturday. The Colts don't win that game if those guys don't step up the way they did and they don't handle themselves as professionally as they do. Trey Sermon, 5.2 yards per carry. Goodson, 6.3 in a Montgomery. Had the two catches, 48 yards, and of course had the touchdown. Could have had another one. He bounced back from uh, some stuff happening in the middle of the game that he needed to forget about. Uh, you look at Atlanta, you know, I made the I made the case of Matt Taylor with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline uh, radio voice of the Indianapolis Colts. You know, I made the point that Atlanta could be a little bit like the Steelers, coach, you know, embattled right now, no good quarterback option, weapons on offense, and a nice defense, but weapons on offense that we like, but that have underachieved. You look at Pittsburgh, that is the case this year, uh, and you look at the Atlanta Falcons, that is the case. And so if you're the Colts, can you kind of do the same thing, put a team out of their misery for the second straight week? But this spread has moved quite a bit, three and a half, four points. It's now Atlanta favored by two two and a half. I'm not going to ask you about the the gambling line, obviously, but what do the Colts need to do to win the game and not lose and kind of take away a little bit of that rope that they have right now in the playoffs? Well, I think you got to get off to a good start. I mean, to your point, Andy, I mean, this is a team right now that is beyond teetering. Uh, The Atlanta Falcons, they come in. I mean, two weeks ago, they had a chance to really do something in the NFC South, really kind of make their mark and, and take control of that division. And the exact opposite has, has come to fruition here, where they've lost two in a row inside the division, back-to-back losses against Tampa and Carolina. Last week's loss, I mean, based on everything you read coming out of Atlanta, last week's loss was one of the worst defeats in franchise history, where they lose without giving up a touchdown. They lose to a 1-12 in football team. I know the weather conditions were awful, but that was a really bad loss for Atlanta. And, you know, Arthur Smith is on the hot seat. They're changing quarterbacks. I think if you just get off to a good start in this game, right, if you're up 14 to nothing early second quarter or midway second quarter, you kind of put any doubts of, of them, you know, I mean, they're, they're all professionals, right? There's no doubt about that. But, you know, just, just take all of that fight out of them um, and, and give them something else to worry about in the back of their minds. Uh, as they head into halftime in that game. But um, I, I think if you look at their team and, and you look at the, the weapons they have, this is a game that, that really, I don't say scares me, but it's not going to be a layup. I mean, there are no easy games in this league, in the NFL. I mean, all these games come down to the, the fourth quarter in the last four minutes. And, you know, with them switching quarterbacks and Taylor Heineke, I mean, he's a guy that's already beaten the Colts and he's got a lot of confidence as far as, playing this Gus Bradley defense. I mean, last year he threw for 74% completion percentage, almost 300 yards, 
led a game-winning drive with the Commanders and, and scored the last or the uh, the game-winning touchdown with under a minute to go in that game last year at Lucas Oil Stadium. And you, you like his mindset too. I mean, he's an eight-year guy. You know, he's taken over late in the season. He's got a lot of confidence, but he's also he understands where he's at in his career and the situation that he's in. And I like what he's saying, you know, from, from his standpoint, I'm just going to go out there and play loose. The more I think, the more I try to be perfect and, and stress over all the little details, you know, it kind of gets in my way. I think that's kind of what has held us back as a team, as an offense. And so I think from the approach standpoint, you're going to see a team that's got nothing to lose, right? If they lose on Sunday, they're pretty much done in terms of making the playoffs. They're not going to win the NFC South. If they lose on Sunday, they're guaranteed their sixth straight non-winning season. So I, I think they're going to throw the kitchen sink at the Colts. And this defense for Atlanta is good enough to hold down the Colts. I mean, you wouldn't know it by a 6-8 and eight record, but they got one of the best defenses in the NFL. I mean, they're top 10 in several critical areas, right? You're talking about points, uh, total yards, first downs allowed, third down defense, three and outs red zone defense, fourth quarter defense, they're elite in all of those categories, but their Achilles heel has been, you know, closing teams out in the last two minutes. In fact, in their last four losses, Atlanta has given up the game-winning drive of at least 70 yards in the final minute of the game to give up, you know, the game-winning touchdown or the game-winning field goal. So you can tell that defense kind of has the weight of the whole team on its shoulders because the offense has been so inconsistent. But I think with them changing quarterbacks and Taylor Heineke having a different mindset and a different approach where he's just kind of, kind of, you know, for lack of a better term, kind of grip it and rip it, not worried about the mistakes, get those you know, top playmakers more involved than what they have been. And uh, Drake London and Bijan Robinson and, and certainly uh, Kyle Pitts. I mean, those guys, that, that trio, I mean, by the way, that, that group is their last three first-round draft picks. Uh, those three guys last week combined for just 13 touches. I mean, that's inexplicable. So I think you're going to see a heavy dose of uh, the big-time playmakers for Atlanta and Taylor Heineke, hopefully for their sake, um, gives them a little bit of a shot in the arm, but it's up to the Colts to, to squelch that and, and to put a bad football team out of its misery early in that game coming up on Christmas Eve. Give that to our listeners one more time, Matt, on the end of game, I guess, futility, if you will, from the Falcons. They've given up what are the drives there in these one-score losses? They have given up fourth-quarter game-winning drives in their last four losses. So each time in every, every one of those games, the Falcons surrendered long drives, all covering at least 70 yards God. to give up the touchdown or the field goal that cost them the game. Dear Lord. Man, no wonder Josh Kendall said to us yesterday it'll be half full, he thinks, on Sunday. Wow. that is uh, Yeah, because it, it, it's amazing when you look at the last two months. Saints and Jets are only wins, but you look at the losses, they're all by five points or less. Now, exactly. I, you know, it's not like the competition's been great for them, but still, um, just excruciating. And boy, it seems like the NFC South door is still open but, with the Saints losing last night. But but that's what this is. I mean, you're exactly right. I mean, yeah, I mean, they're, they're a full game right now out of, out of first place in the NFC South, and the NFC South is unquestionably the worst division in, in the NFL, but still... From a probability standpoint, they still mathematically have a shot, right? If they win their last three games, I saw something yesterday. If they win out, uh, win their last three, their probability of making the playoffs is like near 70%. Yeah. So that's why they're making this switch right now at quarterback with Taylor Heineke. Um, You know, it's, it's, this is their last home game. Uh, The Colts played their last road game 
um, that, that this is their last-ditch effort, I think, to make something out of this 2023 season. And I think they're going to try and, and, and play for Arthur Smith, who, again, is on the hot seat. This will be his third straight losing season if they lose on Sunday. Um, so this this is a, a team that really kind of, again, it, it's very formidable despite their record. I mean, that's what this NFL is. I mean, all of these games, I mean, they're, they're, I think they're, what, four and six? got to look it up. But they're very poor, obviously, in one-score games. The Colts are really good in one-score games. They're five and two in games decided by one score. So that, that separates the good teams from the bad teams because every game in the NFL comes down to the last couple of minutes, and it's just how good are you in crunch time, and that's where the Falcons have uh, come up short this year. Yeah, they're four and six in one-score games, Matt. You were right. Four and six. There you go. Yeah. Does Molly Taylor open up birthday presents tonight and then you know Christmas, obviously, in a couple of days? Yeah, she'll do the double dip, man. She'll do oh. the double dip. She'll she'll go tonight hardcore with grandma and grandpa coming over, both sets of grandparents coming over, and they'll have trunk fulls of stuff. You know, they'll have uh, a lot of knickknacky stuff, and and Molly will be get a big, big kick out of that. So excited for her. you know she's uh, you know she's one of those kids that, like gets out the calendar like in August and then just starts <laughs> you know marks off the days and counting down the time. Um, but yeah, this is. It's a big day for her. So, yeah, birthday presents tonight and then, uh, you know, Christmas Eve uh, when Dad gets home, hopefully. You got to love it. Happy seventh birthday right there to Molly Taylor. Dad, safe travels to Atlanta. We'll be listening, obviously, Sunday morning. And uh, enjoy the Christmas with the kids, man. Uh, You guys, too. You guys, too. I appreciate you guys. Merry Christmas and have a great weekend.